You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Come with me to Matthew chapter 1. You know, the title of my message is Next Temple Sunday's Preparing for Christmas. And, you know, Reed brought this up that, you know, a lot of people don't know what the term Advent means. And a long time ago, Christians, they got together and they said, hey, we're going to celebrate what we call Advent. And all it is, is they go about four weeks out and they just do something every day to prepare in anticipation of celebrating Jesus, his birth. And so they'll, do, they'll light a candle, they'll say a prayer, they'll read a scripture, and that families were called upon to do this every night in their home for four weeks. Because, you know, we know we celebrate Jesus all year long, but, man, if we're going to have a birthday for Jesus, it better be a month. This is G- This isn't me. This isn't you that we celebrate a day. Man, this is Jesus. And so they would celebrate for four straight weeks and, 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 and just in anticipation of, of the celebration and what's coming. In Advent, the word means arrival. It means arrival, that they're, they're preparing for the arrival. And now, because he's come, we're preparing for the birthday to celebrate Jesus' birthday, that he did arrive. He was born of a virgin. And, you know, people get caught up in the day like, man, he was born in October or December 5th or whatever. You know, I have a brother. His name's Chris. Chris, if you're watching, I'm sorry, but this is the truth. But, uh, you know, his, he was born in Germany, and they kind of mixed up his birth certificate. And my parents, because they have so many kids, they, they just don't remember if he was born on the 1st or the 6th. So they picked the 6th which was perfect for me because I was born on the 4th. So guess what day he got to celebrate his birthday on? The 4th. So we don't know if it's the 1st or the 6th, but he always celebrated since I came along on my birthday because I'm the youngest. And after all, all the youngest in the room know we're the favorites, right? Where's all the youngest in the room? And I'm surprised all the oldest and middle kids aren't booing right now. But yeah, some of them are booing. Yeah, they're like, no. Those youngest, ooh, no. But, uh, but anyway, so we, we just celebrated both of them on my birthday, you know, but they were, so my parents just picked the day, like, well, we aren't sure, the sixth, you know, and so they just picked the day, and so that's kind of what we did with Jesus, celebrating Jesus' birth. We're not quite sure. Some people, like I said, October, September, December 5th, whatever, we just picked December 25th. And some people say, well, that's tied to a pagan day or whatever. You know what? There's no such thing as a day that is dedicated to the pagans. People might dedicate it, but God made every single day of the year. Every day is God's day. And that's why, that's why we do Sugar Rush on October 31st. We're not going to concede a day called Halloween where they celebrate witches and goblins and sorcery and all this junk. We're not going to concede that day. God said, this is a day I have made. Rejoice and be glad in it. So we invite all those kids here. We Sugar Rush them, send them home, and let the dentist and their parents deal with them after that, you know. Have to beat them to go to sleep that night because they've eaten so much sugar. But we have fun. And I, guys, we're not going to concede anything else. I'm not going to concede the, the tree. 
You know, the evergreen tree, the Christians have adopted that to represent everlasting life. Satan didn't make any trees. He didn't create giving. Satan hates givers. He's a taker. God's the giver. And so people say, well, when you put Christmas presents under a tree, you're worshiping that tree because that's what the pagans did. Listen, Satan didn't create giving. Satan didn't create trees. Satan didn't create light. God created light. God created giving. God created trees. We don't worship trees. I hope you don't worship a tree. Come back from Buddhism or whatever it is. You know, come back. You know, we don't worship trees and we don't worship Christmas gifts. We worship the gift. And we exchange gifts because God's such a giver. We decorate to celebrate Jesus. Put lights on our house, lights on our tree, lights on us. We got a slide out in the foyer. Man, why? Because we want to teach our kids this is a time of celebration. We're anticipating the arrival of the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior, the Lord of lords and King of kings. God putting on a man suit to save our lives. And whatever day we pick is the day we pick. And that's the day we picked, and that's why we celebrate. And if you can't do that, that's okay. Don't violate your own conscience. Don't celebrate. But don't judge us because we're feasting. Don't judge us because we're celebrating. All we're doing is what the Magi did. All we're doing is what the shepherds did. All we're doing is what all the angels did when they talked to the shepherds and they started, they couldn't wait. Man, that one angel's talking to the shepherds and they're so intimidated by one, the rest of them just couldn't show up all at once. They'd have freaked them. They'd have probably died of a heart attack. So God knows, so he showed up, and they fall down, and they're scared, and he's talking to them, saying, man, don't be scared. Oh, man, a Savior's born in Bethlehem, and you need to go check this out, and you need to go do this. And they're like, okay. And then all of a sudden, they look up, and all the heavens bust open, and they said a myriad, millions, billions of angels are dancing and celebrating and cheering Jesus, singing songs. I mean, it's crazy the celebration they had. Why shouldn't we sing? Why shouldn't we celebrate? All heaven did at his birth. All heaven did. You know, and I want to I give you a timeline real quick, too, of all of that. You know, they all, we always depict the, the wise men and the shepherds at the, at the uh, manger, but that's not what happened. The angels appeared to the shepherds. The shepherds were at the manger in the barn, but the Magi didn't come for two years later. They were already living in a home, and, they, and Jesus was already a child. They believe he was already two years old before the Magi showed up. Why did the Magi show up two years later? Well, because Herod, when the Magi came through and he found out about Jesus being born, he said, we got to kill all the babies two years and younger. Kill them all. So the Magi showed up to worship, and you know what they did? They gave Joseph and Mary and Jesus gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They made them extremely wealthy because they were about to pick up and move to Egypt. God's, you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago. God doesn't know any time except one time. What time does God know? The right time. So the Magi showed up at the right time to give Joseph and Mary those gifts, those, that money, so they could pack up and move to Egypt, and they'd be able to live in Egypt well and then be able to move back. 
That was the perfect timing. So that's how that really took place. And when, when they started this thing, when Christians started this thing called Advent, they started it four weeks out, and every night they'd light a candle, uh, speak a psalm or something about Jesus, and then they would pray for one another, and then they'd eat. They'd do that for four straight weeks. I know uh, that a family here in the church, Nina and Ron, they give my, my, my daughter and I do this. They give us a Lego set of Advent, and we put it together. Each, there's a little thing each time you put together. You make a big like Lego scene at the end, and we talk about what, what we open and what we see, and we talk about Jesus. And, and we've done that for years, and she's been, I've been gone, and she's been gone, so we've got to catch up. But we've done that for years, and they've given us that for several years, and we enjoy doing that together. My daughter and I talk about Jesus. Uh, and so, but I know, like, Pastor Sean and Monica, they do something with Aiden for, is it four weeks out? You guys go four weeks out? All of December. So 20, 25 days they do something, uh, and they, they call it their advent. That's kind of what they do. They watch a movie. They do this. They do that. And so, guys, it's all for one reason, and I'm going to show you the reason. Go with me to Revelations chapter 4. Now, someone told me yesterday that they have never ever had anybody use Revelation to tie it into Christmas. Well, welcome to Church on the Move. Here we go. And so it says in Revelations chapter 4, uh, let's start reading, we'll start reading verse, uh, uh, kind of the middle of verse 7. It says, around the throne and on each side stood four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. Now I'm going to explain a couple things to you uh, um, about this verse, about why they have eyes all over them. And so, but here's the deal. It says, the first living creature resembled a lion, the second an ox, the third a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of the four living creatures had six wings full of eyes all around and under their wings. They worshiped without ceasing, day and night singing. Now, these aren't the same uh, seraphim angels, six-winged angels that cover their face with one set of wings, cover their feet with another, and fly with the other. They have six sets of wings that, that look at each other and say, holy, holy is the Lamb of God. These aren't seraphim. This is a different type of creature. I don't know what they call them. But whatever they are, John called them creatures. So these creatures are covered in eyes. And there's a reason why they're covered in eyes and why they're on the throne, because God has created them special and given them a special ability. Listen to what they say that's different than the seraphim angels. They say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the was, everybody say the was, the is, and the coming. So they have eyes front and back and all over because God gave them a gift they gave them a gift to see the past, the present, and the future all at once. That's why they have eyes all over. They were created special to operate in the past, the present, and the future the way God does. He's, they, they operate on his behalf in those arenas. And so they say he was, he is, and he's coming. The same thing that Advent does, which means arrival, it, it's, it's pre preparing for the arrival and the birth of Christ, is the same thing they're talking about. The same thing they're talking about. They're, they say, listen, we need to celebrate what was. We need to celebrate what was. What God did in the Old Testament is he put together seven feasts to celebrate what was. 
And they were all feasts. They were all celebrations. They came, to the, they, came they worshiped God, and then they feasted for days. I mean days. They got together with family and friends. Three of those, they had to come all the way back to Jerusalem. So they would see everybody. And man, they're, they're in the streets and their tents. They set up tents in the streets. And man, they feasted for days upon days upon days. God is a partier. God likes to feast, man. He likes to feast. He likes to celebrate. He put, he gave them seven celebrations to remember what he's done. We in today, in the New Testament, the fulfillment of all seven celebrations is Jesus. Jesus fulfilled all those seven celebrations. All of them were in anticipation of Jesus. They were all in anticipation of Jesus. And so we celebrate what was, we participate in what is, and we anticipate in what's coming. That's what Advent's all about. That's what preparing for Christmas is all about. We celebrate what was. Jesus fulfilled all those feasts, so we celebrate. We have two celebrations now in the New Testament Christian church. We celebrate the birth of Christ, and we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. That's what we celebrate, two great things. And that fulfills, that fulfills all the law, all the prophets, all the word is Jesus. And that's why we celebrate those two things. In the old, the, the, the church of old, you know, not the Old Testament, but the New Testament church said, hey man, we don't want to just celebrate on that day. We want to celebrate for weeks on end. So they would go four straight weeks of gathering in their homes as family and, and celebrating Jesus. And, you know, they celebrated what was, they participated in what is, and they anticipated what was coming. All in one shot. That's what Christmas is. That's what we need to prepare our hearts for. What was, what is, and he's coming back. He's coming back. He's the ultimate Arnold Schwarzenegger. I will be back. I mean, they got that line from Jesus. He better than Arnold Schwarzenegger any day of the week, amen? And so that's what this is all about, and that's how that ties in to the celebration of Jesus for Christmas and the participation with him now. How do we participate? Man, we love people. Do you know, church family, that among us right now, after Adopt-A-Block is done distributing gifts, we will have given to about 3,000 people this month. Is that incredible? From the orphans in Mexico to the, to the kids with a parent, mostly their dads in prison in, in Roswell. I mean, we bless our kids here. We bless the children in Mexico and the orphanages doing exactly what God called us to do. And then we do a ton for Adopt-A-Block. I mean, we, we are giving constantly during this time to bless. And that doesn't include all of us that might be anticipating someone we know in the church that might not have a great Christmas that we're, we're going to bless them too. I don't know about you, but I've got a couple families on my heart that I'm going to check on this, this coming week. And man, I'm going to make sure their kids have a Christmas. Because God said to be good to everybody, but especially those of the household of faith. If you know someone that's not going to get a Christmas gift, you need, if you have the finances, you buy them one. If you don't, call the church. I'm talking about people in there that come to church. We do enough for the outside, but we got to take care of our own too, amen? 
And we tell a lot of people no during this time of year because we want to take care of our own too. And we'll say no. Guys, we, we say no a lot to people. Just They call us constantly. It's daily. Five, six, seven calls a day. Wanting, 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 wanting. And we have to say no. We don't say no to every one of them, but we say no to a lot of them because we have people right here in our church that have a need. And God said, be good to everybody, but especially, I'll say it again, those in, in the house. Not those that come once a year, but those in the house. Amen? So if you know somebody, bless them. Bless them. Bless them in the name of the Lord. Bless them in Jesus' name. Say, I'm going to bless you in Jesus' name. I'm going to help you in Jesus' name. If you're in need and your kids aren't going to have a Christmas, tell us. Let us know. We're going to bless you in Jesus' name. We're going to make sure your kids get blessed in Jesus' name. Don't have any pride in it. Don't have any pride in it. We don't think less of you. We love you. We want someone to do that for us. Someone say amen. Come on now. Don't get, don't get stiff on me. Don't get religious on me. Let's stay, let's stay open to the things of God. Let's be good to people. Let's be good to our families. Let's be good to others. I remember one time we just had, a, we told the kids, and I, I love my children for this. We said, you're going to get one or two presents, and we're going to buy presents for a bunch of other people, and that's what we did. And they were fine. They're like, okay, let's do it. One year I took some of the boys, and we worked the soup kitchen on Christmas Day. I mean, guys, that's what we do as Christians, right? We, we celebrate, we celebrate, we participate, and we anticipate. That's what we do. That's who we are. That's, what, that's why they would, they would take four weeks out and start preparing because they were doing all three of those things all at once. And I encourage you to prepare your heart for Christmas. This is what I know. All of us, you know, we have some people here for the first time are gonna go through Christmas without a loved one at their table. Those are tough days. Those are tough times to celebrate. But I remember when my sister passed away, and she was a big part of our Christmas celebration. She would help my mom decorate her house, and we'd have it over at my mom's house. It was a big celebration. She cooked a lot of things between my mom and Julie and her. We cooked all the food and, and prepared for our family to come down, and we had a huge celebration, and my sister was a big part of, of organizing that, helping my mom with that. And I remember the first year we were coming up on Christmas. My sister passed away during this time of year, and she's just like, I don't want to celebrate. I said, oh, no. Oh, no, that's not happening. You know why? Because, guys, we can miss the ones we love that aren't here with us and still celebrate the ones that are. Years ago, God dealt with my heart, and he said, Troy, you spend so much time thinking about people that aren't here instead of celebrating the ones that are here. And I'm like, you know what, God? That's exactly right. I'm not going to miss them so much that I don't, I don't love and cherish and celebrate the ones that are sitting right here, that are right here in my home, that are right here with us. Let's not miss out because you don't get those moments back. So you can, you can thank God that for your loved one that's in heaven. You can miss them. You can pray for each other. You can even shed some tears. Then I encourage you to wipe those tears away and then celebrate the ones that are there. Celebrate the ones. You might have a loved one that, that man has rejected you or disowned you or because you're a Christian and they're in the world. You know what? Celebrate the ones that are in your life. Celebrate the fams and family and friends that are here. I had to constantly remind my mom, mom, you have four other children and you have, I think she has 63 grandchildren and great-grandchildren. 
We have been fruitful and multiplied this morning. And we're still not finished. I got a bunch more kids that are going to have babies. And so, but, uh, but yeah, I said, man, you got way too much to celebrate. My sister and my dad are in heaven, man. Let's go. We can cry a little bit. Let's, let's, let's miss them, but let's not mourn them during when we're celebrating Jesus' birth. Amen? Let's celebrate the fact that Jesus saved their life and ours. And I know it hurts. I've been there. I've watched it. I've experienced it. But golly, man, I'm not going to let that rob me. I spent years doing that, and I'm not going to ever do it again. Once God spoke to me that, I'm like, okay, good Lord, I got you. I got you. We celebrate what was. We participate in what is. And we anticipate what's coming. I'm going to say this about hope. I've talked about hope for weeks, but I'm going to say this again. You can't survive this world without hope. You will not survive because without hope, you'll stay stuck in your circumstances and situations, and a lot of people do. They stay stuck. They're stuck where they're at. They never get out. Why? Because they can't see a way out because they have no hope. But we serve the God of all hope. Well, I said we serve the God of all hope. He can turn ugly into beautiful. He can turn ashes into something amazing. Amen? He can turn mourning into laughter. Just, just you got to allow him. You have to allow him to do that. And so let's talk about that. Go with me to another verse in Revelations that is directly tied to, um, to Jesus is Revelations 3, verse 20. And I want to say something about the book of Revelations. In verse 1 of Revelations chapter 1, it says the whole book of Revelations is not about the Antichrist. It's not about the end times. It's about the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Listen, we know Jesus as a baby. We know Jesus as the resurrection. But Revelations is about Jesus as the Lord God Almighty sitting on a throne. And it's not about the Antichrist. It's about the Christ defeating the Antichrist. And ending sin and death and pain and trouble and issues and crying and sorrow forever. And he creates a whole new earth, a whole new heavens. Nothing's going to look the same. The earth's not going to look the same. The heavens aren't going to look the same. We're not going to look the same. We're going to have a glorified body. Six-pack abs. Something. Something cool. We're going to have a white robe that represents the purity and the forgiveness of God. We're going to have a victor's crown. All of those that make it get a, get a victor's crown. And you get a crown of righteousness. There's, I believe they're stacked on top of each other. There's, and then there's other crowns. There's a bunch of other crowns you can get. Soul winner's crown. I'm going to like that one. I want to stack crowns. And we get to throw them in front of Jesus at his feet and say, you're the one that's worthy of praise. You're the one that's worthy of honor. We throw them at his feet and say, man, Nothing compares to you. And that's why we celebrate Christmas in Ephesians 3. I'm I'm sorry, Revelations 3. I believe it's verse 20. Let me find it real quick. 320. So it says this. It says, Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come into you and feast. I love that. Jesus said, listen, I'm going to come in and have a feast with you. I love how God celebrates. You know the first thing we do when we all go to heaven? 
When the goats and the sheep are separated, those going to hell and the devil and his squad going to burn in the lake of fire and we go to heaven. After Jesus dries our tears, the first thing we do when we all walk into heaven is we have the wedding supper of the Lamb. We have a feast. I don't know how long that goes on, but it won't matter. 10 billion years. There's food in heaven. The Bible says there's things that grow on the trees of life that line the river of life. That, that there's fruits, even the leaves are edible. So we're going to be feasting on, on all the stuff that's edible. I can't imagine. It's like Willy Wonka on the chocolate factory. Everything's, you know, going to taste like sugar. You know, I don't know what it's going to taste like, but I know it's got to be delicious. I'm sure one, one season there's chicken fried steak. Maybe a ribeye, one other. I don't know what it grows, but I know it's cool. And so we're going to be feasting on that for I don't know what, how a period of time. But do you see he's the God of celebration? He doesn't say, I'll come in and beat you down. He said, if you let me in, we're going to have a feast. What are we going to feast on? God's goodness. You let him in, that's the participation. We celebrate him coming. We participate in him with him when we let him in. And we feast on his goodness. We feast on his mercy. We feast on his grace. We feast on his kindness. We feast on his love. We feast on his passion. Man, I'm 60. I got more passion than some of you 20-year-olds. Come on now. There's a fire that God wants to light inside of you. And it might manifest the same way it does in me, but it still should be a fire inside of you. To celebrate life, to feast on his goodness, to overcome obstacles to deal with hurt and pain and turn it over to him and let him heal you. We just feast on all that he does and all that he is if you'll let him in. He wants us to celebrate, but he also wants us to participate in the feasting of it on his goodness. And as we feast on his goodness, just like we talked about last week, that he wants hope to radiate from us. He wants his life to, to, to go out from beyond us into other people's lives. I believe that, 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 that part of me, the best part of me is Jesus. The worst part of me is Troy. The best part of me is G, the Jesus part, the part that he reigns. And I believe I've sown that into my children. I believe I've sown that into my wife. And I, I, want, it, I want it to expand and I want it to pour over into other people's lives, hopefully in some of your lives. And that's what God wants for your life too, that it pours over into your family. It pours over into those you work with. It pours over. It pours over. You know, I read a statement by, by a woman. She said, you know, don't think for a moment that just a few people can change. Don't think for a moment that a few people can't change the world. This is what she said. It's always been just a few that have changed the world. All it takes is, is a few of us to live out and participate, to let him in fully and say, come on, I'm gonna feast on your goodness so others can feast on it too. We celebrate, we participate, and we anticipate. What are we anticipating? Man, he's coming back. Jesus is coming back for us. He loves us so much, he's not leaving things the same. He's coming back, he's coming back, he's coming back. He said to hang on to that hope. I know this, I'm either gonna go to him or he's coming to me. In my lifetime, I'm either gonna die and go to him or he's coming back for me when I'm still alive. I'll, I'll do either one. 
I'm not afraid of death. I don't, I don't, inc- I don't invite it into my life, but I, at the same time, I have no fear of it because I know where I'm going. Do you? Do you know where you're going? Are you, are you celebrating the birth of Jesus? Are you participating? Are you feasting on his goodness? And are you anticipate, anticipating living in heaven forever? That's the only way you can live with hope. That's the hope that, that Turks, Turk takes the darkest moment of your life and says, I can do this because like that song we sang, every moment, every minute, every second, I've never been alone. You're with me. You're with me in the good times, every celebration and every failure. I cried when we sang that song this morning because he's, he's been with me in every one of those moments. And I'm so grateful Wow, how can we not celebrate the birth of Jesus? How can we not participate in it and give gifts and love people and have a feast with our family and enjoy? And a feast, whatever that feast means to you. Some people, man, I know, I know you're making enchiladas or uh, better yet, you're making tamales. Woo, come on now. Christmas tamales. Come on. That's a feast right there, Amen. Get a hold of some good tamales, man. And so, you know, uh, feasting, we're feasting. And whatever your feast is, whatever you do, uh, whatever gifts that you can exchange, whatever things that you can do, man, it's all a celebration of Jesus. Let's make sure we're preparing our hearts for the real Christmas. You know, some people have, have looked at our, our, our times and think that we did this wrong. But on Friday the 23rd, we're, we're celebrating Christmas at 6.30 that Friday the 23rd. At 6.30 because we want to give people a chance to get off work and still come on Friday. That won't be able to work. They'll have to work on Saturday. But Saturday we're going to do it 3 and 6. And then Sunday we're going to do family communion and we're going to sing and we're going to go home on Christmas Day. But we're all going to gather at 8 a.m. here at church. we got to have church on Sunday. We can't have Christmas on Sunday and not, I don't know how you can not come to church and celebrate Jesus together. So we're going to do that for about an hour, hour and a half. So man, come and let's celebrate together all those things. And I want you to invite people, participate in this. Man, just because you're not in the production doesn't mean you're not part of the church body. Your job is to invite your family, invite your friends, invite people that would not normally come to another service to come to that service. You know we're gonna sing. You know we're gonna celebrate. We know you're gonna make, you know we're gonna make you laugh. You know the children's department's gonna do something crazy. And then we got Pastor Tim on stage. You know, tell him what's going to happen with him. It's going to be funny, though. And so we're going to laugh. We're going to sing. We hope, you know, maybe cry. We're going to do everything. But we are going to celebrate. We are going to participate. And we are going to anticipate. We're going to do all those in one shot. I want to read you one last. Oh, man, I got a couple scriptures. Woo! No, I'll just read you one last one. Go with me to John. John chapter 1. Woo! I got a bunch. John chapter 1, starting in verse 9. Love this, what John says about Jesus. Man, this is so awesome. He says this, starting in verse 9. For the perfect light of truth was coming into the world and shine upon everyone. He entered into the world he created, yet the world was unaware 
He came to the people he created, to those who should have received him, but they did not recognize him. But those who embraced him and took hold of his name, he gave authority to become the children of God. This is talking about who Jesus is. He said he was born he was not born by the joining of human parents or from natural means or by man's desire, but he was born of God. And so the living expression became a man and lived among us. He gazed upon, we gazed upon his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father overflowing with tender mercy and truth. John announced the truth about him when he taught the people, he's the one, he's the one, I've been telling you, would come after me, even though he ranks far above me, because he existed before I was ever born. And from the overflow of his fullness, we received grace heaped upon more grace. Grace means unmerited favor. God heaped favor upon us, heaped it and heaped it and heaped it in order for Jesus to bridge the gap between us and God and, and eliminate the wall of sin and death that stood be between us. Jesus tore that wall down. And when he tore it down, he said, hey, you won't come feast with me. You won't come, you won't come and make peace with God. You want to come and feast on my goodness in this life and feast forevermore on my goodness in heaven forever? Do you want to celebrate with me? Do you want to participate with me? Do you want to anticipate with me what's coming next? When we get to heaven, there's still going to be anticipation of what we're going to see next, what we're going to experience next. What, I mean, there's so many dimensions that God, God lives in the past, the present, the future, all at one time. I, I'm, I don't know what he's going to show us. It's going to be awesome, though. But this life was meant to be that same kind of adventure. I prayed over babies the other day, and man, I believe God had great words for each child. He, has a, he said he has a good plan for every child. Some people are saying, well, Pastor Troy, you pray all these good things over them? Yeah, of course, because when the Holy Spirit's moving, God always sees the good plan he has for their life. Now, whether or not their parents lead them that direction or they choose to go, that's their business. But God already has a good plan. For every child, and one of them, I prayed that they're an adventurer, that they might even be a missionary sometime because they have an adventurous heart. They want to go on adventures. But guys, that should be every one of us in life. When you know Jesus, it becomes an adventure. It's been a crazy adventure for Julie and I. My gosh, we've lived in multiple homes, multiple cities, multiple states. Wow. We've gone places and done things as a family and as Christians and I mean it's been it's been a great adventure and that's what God wants to take you on too if you want to go I love that about Jesus Satan wants to possess you he wants to control you he wants sin to dominate your life because you love momentary he wants you to get in the habit addicted to momentary pleasure that costs you for a lifetime God wants you to get addicted to his love, his grace, his kindness that blesses you for a lifetime. But he won't force himself on you the way Satan will. Satan's always coming and trying to impose his will. He wants to possess and control and reign and keep you a prisoner of sin and control you with the shame of it, the guilt of it, and just the, just the evil pleasure of it. He wants to control you with it. But God's a, God's a gentleman. 
Jesus stands at the door and just knocks. He won't kick the door down. He could do whatever he wants to do, but that's not his nature. His nature is not to possess and control. He wants a personal, intimate relationship with you. And he said this, that at the end times, people are going to say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, I never knew you. They're going to say, we did this for you and this for you. Because no, you didn't do any of that for me. You did that for you. And the thing he says, when he says he doesn't know you, it doesn't mean he doesn't know everything about them. He's God. He, what he's meant by that, that word know means, I don't really have a personal, intimate relationship with you. This isn't, we're not connected. You're an acquaintance of mine. You're not a family member where we really exchange hearts and we talk about everything together. That's the relationship. He's a relationship God. And because he is, he invites you to, he, came, he comes to your house, this house, and he knocks and says, hey, I, I, I would like to come and feast with you on my goodness, but I won't force myself on you. A true relationship is a choice you make. He already made his choice. He's knocking. He said, I want to have a relationship with you. I love you. I, I proved I loved you by dying for you. I'm here. I came. I'm, I'm, I want to have a relationship with you. The, the choice is always whether we open the door or not. But he's not going to impose himself. I love that about our God. He's the God of the universe, the creator of all things, and yet he's a perfect gentleman. I love that about him. He's not, he could be a tyrant, but he's not. It's, not. it's not in his heart. It's not in his character. It's not his very nature to be a tyrant. He's a servant king. He loves to serve. He wants a people that think that same way, and he wants a relationship, personal relationship with you. Man, I talk to God about everything. I talk to him about things I don't talk to anybody else about. No one. And I, my wife and I are great. We're best friends. But there's things that I, I don't talk to her about that I just talk to God about. Just him and just him and me. That's my number one most personal relationship. And that's what he wants with you too. And he said, if you'll die to yourself and live for him, he'll give you a life in this life worth living. It won't be without trouble. It won't be without issues. But man, he'll be with you every step of the way. He'll teach you how to be an overcomer. And those problems that are meant to hurt and pull you down, God, if you'll stick with him, he'll pull you up and you'll get stronger, not weaker. You'll become an overcomer instead of an underachiever. But it's your choice. It's your choice. Man, I love dreaming. I dream all the time. I can't help it. It just pour, It's always been part of me. It pours out of me. But you know what I love even more than dreaming? is living dreams. I dreamed of Julie. Now I, got, I get to live with her. And she has to live with me. She's my dream. I might be her nightmare. No, I'm kidding. But no, we, I get to have her. I dreamed of having sons. I, I asked the Lord for four sons, and he said, how about five? I said, I'll take five. But I gotta have a little girl. I gotta have a daughter. Now I have not only my daughter, but my sons are marrying these beautiful girls that I get to love on like a daddy too. So I get I get five sons. I get six sons and six daughters. Wow, I love that. I mean, what a great adventure. What a great blessing to live a dream that I dreamed when I was younger. I dreamed of being in the ministry. I get to live that. I dreamed of having a church like you guys that loves and cares and 
man, not easily offended and overcomes and fights back. And I like all the fighters we got in the room that sticks with it and keeps serving and keeps giving. I love this. What kind of life are you living? God wants you to live the same type of life. That though troubles come, troubles go. Come on now. Troubles come, but troubles go. Because Jesus, because of Jesus, what he does in our life. Listen, every eye closed here and online. Man, I just, I don't know why. I just need to tell you, I love you guys. I love Church on the Move. I love all of you that all these years we've done life together. We've buried loved ones together. We've been at weddings together. We've been at birthday parties to beg together. We've been at all kinds of every kind of crazy outreach and function that we could possibly dream up and do together. Man, seen the birth of your children. I've dedicated now 21 years worth of babies. And now I see them having babies. And We've just done life. We've cried on each other's shoulders and we've laughed together. And I just want to tell you, from Julie and I, we love you. We love you. Thank you for loving us. I want to say to those that are sitting here right now and online that, I mean, you just don't, you're not part of that. You're not part of that because you didn't recognize Jesus. But he's knocking right now. He's knocking. Where's he knocking? On the heart, on your heart, on your head, saying, hey, I'm the one that came to save you. I'm the only way to God. I'm the only way to heaven. There is no other way. There is no other God. And I want to save you. That's what he wants to do. He wants to save you. He wants to save you from yourself. Not from someone else's sin. He wants to save you from your sin. He wants to save you from sin and and evil and selfishness and all the junk that we focus on and deal with every day. He wants to save us from ourselves and give us a reason to live at such a higher level for him and for others. And he said, if you'll do that, I'll give you a life worth living and I'll fill you full of life. And you'll not only dream dreams that he gives you, you'll live dreams. He'll bring them to pass. If you'll commit to him, if you'll make a commitment to that relationship being first in your life, He'll add everything else to you. But you have a choice. He's knocking. He loves you. And he's knocking. I want to encourage you, if you've never prayed, open your heart today and say, okay, I get it. I'm opening up my heart today, and I'm going to let you sit on the throne. Jesus, you sit on the throne of my life. I'm going to give you my life because I trust you that you have a better plan for it than I do. And I trust you that you'll heal the broken parts of my heart, the broken parts of my bad thinking and bad attitudes and bad stuff. You'll heal me, deliver me. You'll remove the shame of my secrets. You'll put me back together and bring the best out of me. 
And when I die, I'll, I'll live with you in heaven forever with those that love you. If you've never prayed that, let's pray that right now. What a, what, there's no better Christmas than this. I say it every year. There's nothing better than during this time that we celebrate and participate and anticipate him than for you to say, okay, Jesus, you're the Lord. Forgive me. If you want to pray that right now, I want to pray with you, whether here or online. Online, man, whether it's your first time or your next time praying online, but you, know, you aren't right with God and you want to get right, send us a message right now. I'm praying for the first time. I'm praying for the next time. In this room, right now, I'm going to count to three and ask you to raise your hand and acknowledge, I need to get right with God. And then put your hand down. There's no strings attached to that, none. We're going to pray right where, you're, uh, right where you're seated. We're going to pray right where you are in, in your, your house. The only reason we ask you to send us a message is because we want, to, we want to bless you with the next step and the steps you need to take and the things you need to do to build that relationship, just like any other relationship. You have a first date. Well, if you want to build a relationship, you've got to have a second date. And so there's things and there's steps that you take to build that relationship with God, to learn to hear his voice and live out the plan he has for you, the dream he has, has for you. And so in this room, if you're, whether it's your first time or your next time, and you want to pray and get right with God, on three, just raise your hand up and put it down quickly, then we're going to pray. Here we go. One, two, three. Just put your hand up. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. You can put it down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All over the room, thank you. All over the room. That's awesome. That's awesome. Make a, I want to encourage you, whether online or here, make a real commitment that there's no turning back today. No more turning back. No matter how many times you fall, you just keep getting up, asking God to forgive you, dusting yourself off and keeping going. No more, no more running backwards. Always falling forward. Make a commitment to him today forever because he's made a commitment to you forever and so let's do that let's pray right now those online pray with us i don't care if you're watching this on thursday or whatever day it's just as true if you're not right with god pray this and so let's all pray in this room and online let's say this together say god i believe that you love me you love us so in the darkest hour you sent Jesus, born of a virgin, supernatural, fully God, and fully man. And you sent him to live, set an example for us, to die for us. And you raised him from the dead to save us. Thank you. And because I believe that, I ask that you forgive me of all my sins, that you remove all shame, all guilt from my life. And I receive your full pardon, your full forgiveness right now. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. I received the Holy Spirit that teaches me how to live out the life that you have for me. 
how to live for you and die to myself and live a full life in this life and the one to come. Thank you for rescuing me in Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate the goodness of God. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.